In the UC system, pop culture-based ignorance is considered especially heinous. In UC Berkeley, the dedicated podcast hosts who investigate these felonies are members of an elite squad known as BearPod. These are their stories. I'm Megan Mariani. And I'm Michelle Bryce. And you're listening to BearPod. We said our last names this time. Yep. Full transparency, people. Double trouble. So today, we are talking to a former Sex on Tuesday columnist. Ooh. Yeah, it gets real spicy, you guys. So today, we're going to be sitting down with Chris Cox. Chris was the Daily Cal Sex on Tuesday columnist in 2016. His column explored topics related to navigating through Berkeley hookup culture as a queer Middle Eastern man. Now, if you don't know what Sex on Tuesday is, let me explain really quick. Let's hear it. Uh, Sex on Tuesday is a Daily Cal opinion column uh, that gives writers the opportunity to share their sexual experiences from their own lives. So there's topics ranging from college hookup culture, body image, prejudiceness, queerness, and dating app dilemmas. So there's a lot that he's going to be going over today. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> three yeps for the, for the audience. Three yeps. I am holding three thumbs up. One of them is my toe. Ew. <laughs> I'm kidding. We're not putting that yeah, in. Yeah, we're putting that in. <laughs> just, to ex- <laughs> where is it? just to expose you. Yes, we are. Ah. So before we sit down with Chris today, we thought that it would be a fun idea to read a little excerpt from one of his columns. So get out your popcorn and perk up those ears (laughs) and maybe put some headphones on because this one's about to get spicy. Take it away, Megan. All right. So this one is called This Column Got Me Laid. And this is the first paragraph. As UC Berkeley's resident Edgar Allan Poe, I have blessed this campus with enough dick debacles and anal autobiographies to last one whole glorious gay semester. Writing this column has been quite a trip. Well, actually, multiple trips to be exact, to bedrooms, bathroom stalls, and beyond. While I'm extremely grateful for all the support I've gotten from my readers, I have to be honest. Everyone's kind words pale in comparison to the copious amounts of dick I've been getting lately. Finn. Honestly, quite well written. Very well written. If you guys want to check out the rest of that article, it's still up there on the Daily Cal website, and so are the rest of his articles from this column. And they're all fun and great, but instead of just reading more of his articles, let's sit down and talk to the man of the hour, Chris Cox. And what did you do for the Daily Cal while you were here? When I worked for the Daily Cal, um, I was a photographer at first, but I think... Um, things started heating up when I wrote Sex on Tuesday, um, which was an exciting time, and then moved into the multimedia department doing podcasting. Uh, what year did you start Sex on Tuesday? Like, what year? What <laughs> <laughs> What year in school were you? <laughs> when I wrote Sex on Tuesday, I was a junior at Berkeley. Um just finished my sophomore year after being a council leader and then did the exact opposite of being a wholesome spirit leader and wrote this column. <laughs> what kind of like pushed you to write this column? What inspired it? 
Um, I think what inspired me to write the column, uh, one of my friends actually wrote the column before I did. Um, her name is Puran Maribon, but she used to go by Trixie. Um, and she wrote it when I was a sophomore, and I found her column super inspiring. So I thought, why not just try to tell my own story? She encouraged me to do it, and yeah, it was awesome. So what did you get out of writing this column? Like, what did it give you? Um, I think this column gave me the opportunity to tell my story in a way I never really thought I would. Um, for me, growing up in a small town, being closeted for most of my life, and then coming out uh, was such a difficult process. But to be able to have this column to really put everything in perspective, tell my side of the story, um, yeah, I think that for me was an awesome experience. <laughs> so kind of going off what you were talking about about your hometown did anyone from your hometown like find the article or like have any like criticisms about it yeah so the thing about my hometown is that it's very it's a mix of people it's very diverse in the sense of there's half of people that are pretty liberal and open to you being who you want to be and then the other half is pretty much not like that and they don't want you to live as your true self, to be queer, to speak your mind. Um, so for me, it was kind of meeting both of those things, finding a lot of support, but also um, some negativity as well, with people like commenting on it, saying, oh, no one needs to hear about this, keep it to yourself. Um, and some of those people even ended up coming to Berkeley oh, later. Nice. So that was kind of funny. I'm like, well, now you're in the thick of it. Because <laughs> yeah. we all speak our minds here and we get yeah. used to it, girl. It's not like Moore Park, California. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was great to break out of that mold. And I think Berkeley really gave me that opportunity to, like, express myself. Um, so I'm always very thankful for this column and for the opportunity and privilege to be able to tell my story. A lot of people don't get that. And, yeah, I'm very lucky. What was your family's reactions like? My family found out about the, the column in kind of a drawn-out way. It didn't happen like at once. They weren't following it column by column. But um, I think word gets around, um, even outside of the internet. Like, word of mouth definitely travels. Um, and I learned that kind of the hard way. Um, but for me, it kind of felt like a second coming out experience. Um, when I did come out, there was a lot of rejection from my parents. Um, my dad definitely just didn't want to talk about it. My mom actively antagonized me for it. And, you know, things had gotten better after that. Um, like, through time, I think she's learning, but very slowly. Like, there are comments where she'll say things like, oh, so when you come back, are we going to fix your problem? Or, oh, oh how is God. that going? Yeah. Um, with my roommate, she keeps saying, like, oh, you guys would make a great couple. Or, you know, oh. dropping things like that. And um, even after, you know, her seeing the column and things like that, like, none of that has changed. Um, but I'm hopeful that maybe it will eventually. Uh, but it's not going to stop me from speaking about my experiences, like, being who I want to be. Um yeah, it's definitely difficult, and this column, <laughs> it didn't help in that regard, but it is what it is, you know? Yeah, and, like, Michelle and I were talking before, and we were kind of reflecting on, like, how brave the Sex on Tuesday writers are, just because, yeah. like, if I wrote something like this, my life would be over. Like, my family, <laughs> like, no, no more Berkeley, goodbye. <laughs> so it's just, like, so awesome that you guys are able to, like, speak on this platform so confidently and, like, in an uncensored way. 
Yeah, definitely. I think it is a risk. Um, I think from so many different aspects, whether it's your family, your friends, your community, employment, um, (laughs) whatever it may be, I think you do put yourself in a precarious position, especially when it comes to online hate and how people treat you. Um, And I think, yeah, I think it's a brave thing to do, especially for women and women of color to speak out as well. Um, I can't imagine the level that they get online. I think even from what I've seen, what happened to me, I was just at some points kind of traumatized by it. So it's like you, you really put yourself out there. You build a thick skin from it, Mm -hmm. um, but you learn and you grow. And has there ever been a specific hate comment that's like really stuck with you or kind of jarred you that like you still remember? Oh, well, there's so many. Um, (laughs) uh, let me think. I think one in particular, um, I, it wasn't necessarily a comment, but I think it went above and beyond just a shitty comment saying, you should die, or whatever. Uh, um, someone signed me up for a conversion therapy listserv. Oh my god. Yeah, and so there's no way to unsubscribe from it, because then it would just leave me to spam whenever I would click the unsubscribe link. Oh my god. Um, but thankfully it was only my daily cal email, which I <laughs> didn't really check. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think seeing those emails suddenly pour in was like pretty triggering, and pretty it it speaks to the type of culture that lives out there like people just want to harm you and spread negativity yeah that's awful that's so messed up that's like so twisted just to think of and it's like you expect negative comments and stuff just when you put but to like go out of your way and Mm -hmm. sign someone up that's just like next level like Mm -hmm. insane yeah i'm so sorry to deal with that (laughs) it's fine like (laughs) it's in the past thankfully i think these things they they blow over Yeah. yeah Well, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, <laughs> can you talk about uh, your favorite article that you wrote? Um, I think my favorite article I wrote was probably my first one, actually. I'm about to sneeze, actually. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we'll <give you> space. <laughs> Drum roll. Okay, it didn't happen. Um, oh, fake. <laughs> um, yeah, I think my favorite column I ever wrote was actually my first one because... I get to talk about my culture, I get to talk about my family, and those things both mean so much to me, and I think it's great to tell the story of how those things mean a lot to you, but at the same time, they can be very detrimental to you, the way they people interpret you and try to categorize you, and they're like, oh, in my country, this isn't allowed, so I think my mom came to America with that type of viewpoint, um, and I think, you know, queerness just isn't openly discussed there in the same way it is here, and for me to be the first person her immediate family and especially her own child to like come out of the closet and say I'm queer and I'm here you know mm-hmm. I think for her it was very difficult for her to process so being able to put that into writing was just it was great because I never had that opportunity in my academic work or like in my internships so being yeah. able to do that here and have people you know reach out to me and say I had a similar experience, this happened to me, and tell me their stories with queerness um, and their own cultures. It was just, it was an awesome experience to do that. That's so cool. And so kind of going off of your first article, what was it like after your first article came out? And did people start recognizing you or treating you differently once you were like the Sex on Tuesday writer? Um, yeah, I don't know, it just was so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> The first one, I think when it came out, I think since it wasn't explicitly sex, people didn't really get where it would go eventually. Um, I think when you get to actually going from sexuality to actually acting on it and being sexual, I think some people were like, oh, it's very great when you're queer, like, that's awesome for you, whatever, but when you really, I don't know, 
describe the experiences of being queer in a more candid way. I think people are more touchy about it. Yeah. So the first one, I don't really think like people were like, oh my god, but I do remember just seeing my picture on people's laptops in the student union and like them reading it. Yeah, I remember it being a really big deal and I was like, oh my god. It, yes. it was weird just seeing people connect with your stuff in that way. Yeah. I don't know what people were thinking when they're reading it, whether they like hated me <laughs> or wanted me to fuck off or they thought it was great, but it, it was cool to see that people at least cared enough to take the time to read it and when I write, I, I love when people give me feedback and read it, whether it's positive or, neg- or, positive or negative, <laughs> I find it very interesting. Yeah. So, has anyone come up to you on campus or anything, or made any kind of comments, like, online or anything, trying to, like, talk to you directly, being like, oh my gosh, you're the Sex on Tuesday guy? Um, yeah. I think that's just, like, part of writing it. Yeah. Yeah. You have to get used to the attention. I think one thing that's so unique about writing this column at the Daily Cal is that our audience is so localized. Mm -hmm. Um, so when you write these pieces it's not like someone in Nebraska is going to read it and connect with it like maybe they will but (laughs) the the majority of the audience is here they're your classmates they're your professors even um and it's unique to write this type of content and have people reach out to you about it um I've had professors come up to me and say things like nothing negative but just like oh yeah I read that it was great but it's also weird to think like oh okay you're reading that yeah they know um but you know it was it was interesting to connect with the community in that way do you think that writing the column has impacted where you are currently in life in any way um I think I think writing the column at least let me put into perspective what it is I like to do, which is like creating content and writing and telling stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it set me on a path towards that. Um, I don't think it like completely altered my life. I think if anything, I think it depends on who you want to be. Like if I wanted to be a politician, obviously this would, well, I mean, I don't know anymore, but <laughs> it, it would definitely be something that would be brought up. And I think it yeah. still can be in certain contexts, um, but I haven't had it completely like, derail my life and yeah. like now I'm a castaway like on an island no one fucking talks to me like no like you can write this column and still lead a life yeah, um yeah. I think we live in a time where people can be very understanding or very misunderstanding yeah. about what you put out there and um if you, as long as you connect with the people you want and you build a community of those you care about like nothing else really matters so I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> have any of your, like, coworkers read your past pieces? They have. Like, I, I have it on a portfolio website, so oh, nice. um, they, they've read it. Um, my hiring manager read it. Um, yeah, I think that, in a way, it, it can be an asset. It sets you apart from people that mm-hmm. you're willing to tell your story and speak your mind. Um, you probably won't be writing that type of stuff at the company you work at, <laughs> but I think it, it just shows that you have... I don't know, a certain sense of identity that mm-hmm. you're willing to express and you have opinions and you want to say them. Okay, let's get into the more... Rossi. The spicier questions. <laughs> oh, God. I'm not <laughs> spicy anymore. Real spicy. Um, is there a unique sexual experience that you've had since writing this column that you'd feel comfortable sharing with? Like something sure. that you didn't get the chance to put in your column, that, but you definitely would have. Yeah. Um, I think for me the biggest development in my life 
I, I got so much less spicy after writing this. Like, uh, my social life. Peak of spiciness. Yeah, I got kind of jaded from it because I'm not going to lie, it is a fucking traumatizing experience, like, writing this thing and having people berate you, everyone that you date recognize that Ugh. and just completely pin it as who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just got completely less spicy and <laughs> stopped having, like, random hookups with people and calming down and, I don't know, I, my sexuality had changed, mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest. So I ended up entering a relationship last year. I think that's the oh, biggest yay. development. Maybe it's not spicy and, like, a grandma and now. That's wholesome. It is wholesome. It is wholesome. It's I, sweet, not spicy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I had the spicy. The spicy's there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I found someone that, like, actually cares about me and my mental health. So that's pretty unique to find. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> so cute. So cute. Um, have, okay, so has anyone that you've hooked up with like that you wrote about did they ever like approach you and say like do they have comments feedback yeah um I think I never really pinned anyone's identity explicitly so Mm -hmm. no one really had like qualms about it um if anything some of them found it entertaining um one of them was like oh I didn't remember it that way because, I mean, it was just, like, a whole drawn-out situation. So I think everyone has their own interpretation of, I don't know, when things get messy. Yeah. When things don't work out, or someone says they're straight, and, I don't know, maybe they're not, and um, they have internalized feelings. I think that was still there, but I think we've definitely moved past it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, luckily, I didn't really get that many angry messages of people being really mad. So do you think that college newspapers should have columns similar to this one? Yeah, I think they should. I think they should use this column to uplift voices that don't normally get columns like this. Mm -hmm. I see bylines in the Wall Street Journal about boring old men thinking like (laughs) Trumpism is going to save the economy or whatever every other week. And I'm like, okay, why don't we give airtime to real queer voices that deserve to be heard instead of these you know, wrinkly old hags, you know, these (laughs) men that don't deserve to have this opportunity to write for, like, a large audience. So I think, you know, if you have a platform, use it to uplift people. Why not share their their stories, no matter how candid they are? I think these are real-life experiences. People deserve to tell them, and others deserve to hear them, because many people connect. For every hate comment I got, there was, like, five more people saying, I love this, thank you for writing this. So everyone deserves this opportunity. Totally. And so kind of going off of that, uh, if you had the experience to do this column all over again, would you? Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I would, Mm. if I'm being honest. Um, I want to be someone that says, oh, I don't regret anything. I don't regret writing these stories about my life, about sex, about these interactions. Um, but I, I don't, think I regret it, but I think so much came out of it. Hate people treating me differently. Even if it was a joke, people pointing at me and saying, oh, you're the ass-eating guy, that's so funny. Oh, gosh, so much. I think those things happen so much, and I think they they really compounded. Um, And I think, yeah, I definitely think that writing this led to somewhat of a deterioration of my mental health, if I'm going to be honest. Like, definitely had, like, depressive days, still do. Um... And not going to lie, even coming here to talk about it was kind of difficult for me, but I felt like 
I had so much to reflect on yeah. having done it mm-hmm. years later and people don't get to hear what that's like. Yeah. But I think if you're going to write this column, like get ready because mm-hmm. it's not easy and people treat you, I can't even describe it, you know, people on campus, even people that work here just thinking they're entitled to you and mm-hmm. your attention or your body. So it, it's difficult. Yeah. It's really hard. And it's easy to become painted as a sex object. Mm-hmm. Um, you become objectified. And even as a queer man, that happened to me. Um, and yeah, I think people can learn from it. Like hearing this, don't treat people that way. It's just so fucked up. Like you don't own anyone just because they're writing about sex or they're honest. Like that doesn't mean you're entitled to do what you want with their bodies, with them as a person. They don't owe you their time or attention. Yeah, and it's, I feel like a lot of people are feel so entitled to, like, make fun of or criticize something so harshly when they don't really know what's gone on behind it, or even that you're, like, a real person behind it. Totally. So, that's, like, yeah. And we really value coming to talk to us today. Yeah, thank so you thank so much you. for coming. <laughs> yeah, no, it's totally fine. Like, <laughs> I know you guys are great people, and, yeah, I, I'm not worried about it anymore because, yeah. yeah, I already dealt with the worst of it, so I feel like... After doing this column, I feel like I can really do anything, and I yeah. think yeah. it's probably one of the biggest takeaways I, I got from this, is that I may think I have a really thin skin, but in reality, it's, I'm thick, yeah. Gosh, <laughs> <laughs> incredible. So, if you have a couple words of advice for the current or any future Sex on Tuesday writers, what would they be? Be yourself. Don't let people distract you from what stories you want to tell. Mm-hmm. Everyone says, you should write about this, or you shouldn't write at all, or shut up, you're a whore, you're a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. But you're not any of those things. You're, you're you, and you have lived experiences that deserve being told, and it's up to you to tell them, because if you don't, who else will? So just get there and write. Well, I'll just thank you guys for having yeah. me, because it's of it's course. great to feel valued and that you guys want to hear these experiences and I think it's great that you guys are letting Sex on Tuesday writers talk about the experience of writing the column after having done it because it is a ride and you don't really get to tell people about how much of a ride it is while you're writing it so yeah it's it's cool to be here thank you awesome thank you